Well, happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, I'm sure you're all prepping for your uh, Super Bowl uh, gatherings and uh, spending time with your family. And I'm sure it's exciting to be rooting for your team or maybe you're just going to enjoy the halftime show and make fun of the commercials. I'm sure you'll have a blast. But uh, I'm honored to be able to deliver the sermon today and lead our thoughts on uh, communion for Jesus. And uh, I wanted to talk about a topic as we're continuing our series on being renewed And the theme that I've chosen is renewed love. And uh, you may be thinking, why are you talking about love on a day that is so competitive, right? You get these two teams, Kansas City Chiefs, who I'm rooting for. I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan against the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And it's in Tampa Bay. And as people say, you know, Tampa Bay for Tom Brady. And they're both going head to head. And it seems like there's no love there, right? It's just they both want to win the prize. They want to win the trophy, the Super Bowl trophy. And uh, they want to be considered the best. For Tom Brady, this kind of ISIS his career. Uh, who knows what will happen after that? He could retire right off, and right off to the sunset in a great way. Um, and, and to be the first team to ever win in NFL history, a Super Bowl in your hometown, on your home field, that, that would be dynamic, right? Or you could be Patrick Mahomes, the visiting team, uh, the former uh, or the or the actual champions of last year to repeat, right? So the Kansas City Chiefs can repeat this year and Patrick Mahomes can continue on his rise to maybe one day becoming the GOAT. And what what a way it would be if he would to be able to defeat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. So it's going to be an incredible matchup. But anyways, let's get back to the sermon. Here uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible reads, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I chose a theme today about love because it's so desperately needed in our world. It's fun to see competition. It's fun to see people stand up for what they believe is right. I love you know people when they're passionate about a cause. But what we need more in this world than ever before is true Christian love. And I want to ask you, how do you feel you're doing in your love today? Could you use a little bit of help to get some renewed love? First John obviously was written by the Apostle John, and he's considered the Apostle of Love. And he wrote the book of John, right? Not just these epistles later on, these other letters afterwards. But he wrote the book of John, the gospel of John, and that's considered the gospel of love. And all throughout that book, you see him speaking on love and having deep convictions about having not just this idea of love, but actually living it out. Not just saying that you love someone, but actually showing it. And I believe that right now we need to, as a society, as a world, renew our love, but it's not going to start from any other entity or group or organization other than us, the disciples of Christ. And I want to call us higher to live a love this year and forevermore that is unlike any other year. That would set the course of history in a great way. And John highlights his book and he shows us many passages, many scriptures, many stories on different aspects of love and how relationships work on love and i want to help us to focus on the very last main narrative that he tackles 
and he isolates one relationship that for some reason to him was very impactful. And that relationship was between Jesus and Peter at the very end of the book of John. And so I want to take you back, though, what happened with Peter and uh, Jesus. I want to take you back to when they were before before Jesus was crucified, how they interacted with each other so that you can learn from Peter and how he grew in his love and how he was renewed as well. So why don't we go to Luke chapter 22, verse 54 through 62. And as you're turning there, I just want you to know that Peter had already promised Jesus, hey, I'm going to die with you. I'm not going to forsake you and I'm not going to abandon you. And Jesus had warned them, I'm going to go die on the cross. A very scary thing to face, of course. And you are going to deny me three times. He tells them, you're going to deny me. But I want you to remain strong. You're going to be back and the brothers are here for you. And Peter, as many of us know, did said, I am going to be there with you, Jesus. I, I'm going to I'm willing to die for you. And many of us as disciples of Christ, we're like, I'm willing to do anything for Jesus. But then when we're confronted with a situation, our true hearts are exposed. And so let's see what Peter did in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. The Bible reads, then seizing him, speaking of Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. There's a lot of weeping going on right now across the world. People have lost loved ones due to COVID, uh, due to other uh, health-related issues. Uh, there's you know, political division in our country and in other countries as well. There's mistrust. There's all kinds of upheaval in, in certain parts of our world. There's natural disasters occurring, uh, floods happening in Southeast Asia, earthquakes uh, that I just heard about that are happening in Europe. Uh, people are just flustered. And like I mentioned earlier, what we need right now is love. And not just any kind of love, but a renewed love of Christ. And here you see that Peter was weeping bitterly. But why? I think he felt like a failure. I think he knew, I want to do everything for Christ. But I'm giving in to my fears. I'm giving in to my worst nightmares. I'm giving in to my insecurities. And Peter had promised Jesus, I'm never going to forsake you and I'm not going to abandon you. But the Lord Jesus said, 
you know, unfortunately you are. You are going to give up on me. But I'm still going to be there for you. And when push came to shove, the situation did appear. Peter was there at a distance watching the trial of Jesus Christ. What was going to happen? And I'm sure in his mind he was hoping things would just quench. That things would calm down. And aren't we all hoping that things calm down with what's going on all over the world? I know for me, I was thinking when the pandemic first hit last year, and it's going to be almost a year to the day that we stopped meeting in person here in the Southern California area. And I remember thinking, I hope this only lasts a few months. Then I thought, well, maybe with the weather improving in the summer, uh, surely uh, the numbers will go down as far as cases and deaths. And hopefully we can all just start meeting in the park and gradually start meeting together. And hopefully by the end of the year, we will have Christmas services all together. And you know what? That didn't happen. And then things got worse before they got better. And I started hoping, what about the vaccine and therapeutics? And, you know, what are the health officials doing? And that didn't happen. And then I thought, well, maybe the beginning of 2021. And that's not happening. And who knows now? Some people are predicting this could take even longer. But for me, I was thinking, man, I hope this situation calms down. You know why? Because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to have to be tested. I want the pain to go away. And I know that Peter had that heart as well. I'm sure he was waiting at a distance. I hope they just release him and we can meet back and just relax. But that wasn't meant to be. Jesus was going to be crucified and Peter had a decision to make at that moment. And unfortunately, he gave in to his fears. Many at times we do the same. When we're tempted with a sin, we decide, well, I can continue in this path and decide to sin, or maybe I can hold back and, you know, resist the sin and resist Satan and bring glory to God. And many times, unfortunately, we give in to our greatest fears, to our sin and our selfish nature. And God wants us and expects us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to me, that's why it's so important that we renew our love for Peter, for Jesus Christ. That that's why it's so important for us to renew our love for Christ. That no matter what we're faced with, that we're going to respond in a Christian way. And how should that be? I'm going to show you in a little bit as we read further on. But some of the things that we need to pick up from this passage right here is that many of us have given our word to be followers of Christ. If you study the Bible, you've attended church previously, you've repented and you've been baptized. I'm sure that at your baptism, you were asked to say, what is your good confession? And it's a statement that goes like this. Jesus is Lord. And that statement is a vow that Jesus has lordship over all of our lives. He has lordship of our time. So now that we have ample time, are we making the most of that time being with the fellowship, spending time with God? I've been hearing disciples actually say that they have less time now that they're in the pandemic, which is an oxymoron. To me, it's almost ironic that many of us, we prayed years ago, I wish I didn't have to drive through traffic. I wish I could work from home. I wish I had more time to spend with my family. I wish I didn't have to go out all the time and meet with people in church. And we got our wish. And here we are. What are we doing with that time? 
And but we, those of us that have said Jesus is Lord, we have to recall that vow and remember that when we say Jesus is Lord, our our spouses, our kids, our families, our jobs, our careers, our hobbies, our passions, anything that's going on, even ourselves, would take second place before honoring God. Honoring Jesus would take precedence over anything in our lives. And when we give our vow, Jesus expects us to fulfill our vow. How has your vow been going lately? Making Jesus Lord of your life. You know, interestingly enough in this passage, when Peter is falling and he's unfortunately saying he's denying Christ, he he's approached by a servant girl. And you got to remember, Peter, he's a grown man. The Bible says he had a mother-in-law, so he's most likely married. He, I'm not sure if he was a parent or not, but I can only imagine that he has a lot of confidence. He's secure. He feels great about himself. And he has you know, something he's building in his life. And this servant girl, not a queen, not a princess, not any woman of necessarily power, but a servant girl, probably at that time the lowliest uh, position a woman could have next to a slave, comes to him and starts questioning him. And it rattles him. And he starts to say, I don't know Jesus Christ. When we give in to sin, when we give in to our insecurities, for some reason, our focus on Christ looks a little shaky. It, the, 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 the lens that we're looking at towards Jesus, it's off and it's blurry. And we have to recall ourselves, why did we make this vow? You know, Peter made it because he loved Jesus Christ, but he also fell. And he was rattled by this servant girl. And, you know, we have to remember, we have to recall, we have to remember and we have to recall that Peter was strong and bold. He could have told that, that servant girl, uh, I know Jesus and what? And, you know, could have walked away and dealt with it. And maybe that would have been it. But he was flustered by it. And I think many times this picture of this servant girl, this slave approaching me, what that reminds me of if, if, if I'm giving into my sin. You know, uh, before becoming a disciple, I was enslaved to many sins. But when I said, Jesus, Lord, I had to put those sins to death. And the ones that I battle with, that I get help and I confess on a regular basis, get brothers that are going to challenge me and help me to recall my vow to Jesus Christ, my love for Him. Because it's not about words. It's about action. And that's my first point today, that love requires action. I read the scripture earlier today about 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, that it's not good enough just to share our love with words but to show it with actions and truth. And for us, what is the enslaving sin, if you will, that is scaring you? You know, these servants that plague you and bother you and pester you. We have to remember that we can get flustered by them, but what will keep us steady is our vow to Jesus Christ, that He doesn't expect us just to make a vow, but to fulfill that vow that He is still Lord. Jesus is our Lord and He deserves our best. He deserves our love. He deserves us to give everything we have to Him. 
And that includes fulfilling our vow that Jesus is Lord. One insight that I wanted to bring in uh, from this passage, Luke 22, before we move on to John chapter 21, is that the rooster crowed. You know, Jesus had prophesied, the rooster's going to crow after you deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. Peter denied the servant girl. He denied when he was questioned about his cultural language and how it gave it away that maybe he was in, you know, a, a connection with Jesus. Then he denied it one more time in front of everyone. And then what happened? The rooster crowed. And I was thinking about this. Uh, imagine yourself, right? The roosters crow early in the morning and at dawn usually. And, you know, roosters don't just crow on Sundays. They don't just crow on certain days of the week. They crow every day, sometimes multiple times throughout the day. And I can only imagine every day waking up and thinking about the rooster crowing. And sometimes those sins that we fall into or those vows that we break, many times they plague us and they crow at us. They gnaw at our minds and they fluster us. They scare us. And I want to ask you, think about that. What could be those roosters that are crowing in your mind right now? Maybe your conscience is saying something like, let's get help. Let's be open. Let's talk about this. And I know for me, uh, I wanted to share a quick story just on my personal uh, love and growing in that and being renewed. Um, some of you may or may not know that uh, um, my mom is a disciple. She got baptized in 1999 and uh, I followed her afterwards. You know, uh, she brought me out to the church and I got baptized in the Spanish ministry. And I was so excited to be a disciple and I had dreams of my family being united and unfortunately, after a few months of becoming a Christian, um, my stepdad started getting involved in our lives again. And uh, my stepdad, uh, unfortunately, you know, um, uh, one time came over to our home and my stepdad came to our home one day and um, he wanted to take out my mom on a date. And I could tell that he wasn't all there. And there had been history uh, of just uh, domestic violence before and I wasn't sure what was going on, but I was definitely hopeful. I was like, wow, maybe God is working. You know, my mom got baptized. Now it's me, maybe my siblings, maybe my stepdad. And so I remember I let him in the home and uh, he came in and asked my mom to go on a date. And they went and I remember encouraging my mom, mom, go, go out of love. Please go and hang out with him. And maybe God is going to work a miracle through this. And I remember my mom saying, I don't really want to go, but OK, I'll do it. Just because I think it makes sense, you know, let me show some love. Well, this was a Saturday night in May of 1999. And what ended up happening uh, was unfortunate because my mom came the next morning. It was Sunday morning and I woke up early in the morning just hearing cries. And it's so discouraging hearing my mom crying. I was thinking, what happened? You, you, I think you went on a date and... You know, you're, 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 you're with my stepdad. And so I, what's going on? And I go into the living room and my mom is bruised and bloodied and her hair's pulled out and her clothes is torn. And I was so discouraged. I was like, I knew what had happened. My stepdad had been violent against her. And I heard my mom. She told me her story that she was nearly killed, that, that my stepdad had used a weapon to, to, to hurt her. And, and, and nearly took her life. My mom said that she had a gun pointed right at her head and was told that tonight's going to be the last night you live. 
And I remember my heart just sank. And I remember calling my teen leader. I didn't know what to do. I didn't pray. I don't remember reading my Bible. I don't remember doing anything other than just staying so shocked at like, wow, my mom nearly could have lost her life. And I remember the teen ministry, the teen brothers called me and said, hey, we heard about what's going on. Are, can you come to church? And uh, I, I said yes, because I, I, I knew I didn't want to stay home. My mom actually encouraged me, go. You should go to church and take your mind off this situation, this bitter situation. And I remember being a young man just saying, okay, I'm going to go. And I went and, and uh, I, I remember just being with the church and they consoled me and they helped me so much to... Uh, to heal and to start that process and it was not easy I, I remember as a teen struggling with sin and my personal impurity and I did sins that I never had done before after that and I remember getting therapy and getting help because people knew they loved me and they said we got to invest in Pablo we got to help Pablo out and I really appreciate my former teen leaders and my teen workers and all the teen brothers and sisters that helped me out many of them they're married with kids and I just see them growing up so much and it encourages me. Well, the interesting thing was that um, my stepdad went to jail and uh, he got 25 years and he's up for parole actually. And we lost contact with him. And I remember many years later, my brother became a disciple, junior, actually his uh, full-blooded son. And me and him were best friends. And so me and Juan, we, we just you know, love church, we love the word, we, we do our best to live our lives as Christians, and we challenge each other, and we have, sometimes it's kind of like a healthy, you know, rivalry of trying to make sure that we're bettering each other, and iron sharpens iron type of attitude, and I remember my brother was studying the Bible, and he got baptized, and he said, hey, Pablo, have you and uh, dad worked out your relationship, and I had to admit to him, no, no, I'm, I don't talk to him, it's been many years, and I don't want to talk to him. Why would I? He nearly killed my mom and he destroyed our family. We lost our home. Uh, we had to go back to renting. And we were like, you know, he just destroyed uh, our lives. And, and I just felt like there's no way. I was so vengeful in my heart. But I remember my brother Juan telling me, you know, that's not loving and forgiving. Like Jesus expects us to love and forgive. And I at first got angry with him. Like, who are you to tell me? You're the younger brother. Who are you to tell me how to become a disciple? And that's how sometimes as older Christians we get, right? And my brother just says, you know, if you're going to be the campus minister here in Metro LA, I believe that you shouldn't be a hypocrite and you should forgive my dad for what he did to our family. And I remember those words pierced my heart. And I remember I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to begin writing to him then. And so we started writing, you know, he's in jail, I'm outside and we were you know, writing to each other, and, and then he started calling me, and I remember I set up my phone account, and it's only a 15-minute phone call, and we were talking towards with each other, and it went from talking about, you know, talking a couple times a year to every month, and now every week, and what was amazing is my brother then challenged me again. He says, well, I appreciate you writing to him. I appreciate you calling him, or speaking with him, I should say. My brother said, I appreciate you writing to him, and I appreciate you calling, and speaking with him but i believe that you should also see him and i remember talking to my wife and uh we started thinking and plotting okay is this possible and i remember my wife nicole encouraging me i think it would be wonderful if you and your dad reconciled and so i mustered up the strength after much prayer challenging and 
uh, studying of the word. And I remember going up to the Bay Area. Um, my stepdad is in a prison there. And I remember that he welcomed me. And I remember going into the prison and many of the uh, guards were telling me, Hey, are you Juan Marcel's son? That's my stepdad's name. And I remember just saying, yeah, that's my, you know, my stepdad. And he's like, man, your dad helped me so much. And I started thinking, what? Like, what do you mean by that? And then he said, you know, uh, another guard came up to me. Hey, he said, hey, your, your dad helped me with my marriage with my wife. And we were able to reconcile. And he showed me through the Bible how to reconcile. And I was thinking, the Bible? Really? This guy? I mean, yes, he sent some scriptures on his letter, but I thought he was just religious. Like, what, what, you know, what's going on here? And I remember I walked in to the prison, super scared. It had been my first time ever being in a, in a, in a big time prison like that. And I'm walking in and so fearful and thinking, you know, maybe there's going to be a riot that day. I'm going to be held hostage and I'm going to die. And I, I'm just going in there. My heart's beating out of my chest. And I remember just showing up. And, and then the first thing that happens is he walks out. And I remember just seeing him. And it had been nearly 15 years and he walks out and he he opens his arms, gives me a hug, sits down. And instead of saying anything to me, he literally just starts praying. And I'm thinking in my mind, who is this man? Who is this man? And I pray as well. And we start talking and we sat there for about four hours straight, the maximum time given. And I remember he was sharing scriptures and he was quoting scriptures with no Bible even in front of him. And I know my Bible was somewhat pretty good, I would think. And he's quoting scriptures to me and I'm thinking, wow, he knows his Bible. And I, I'm, I was so convicted that, you know, he, he and I were able to have a spiritual talk. And that's been one of three encounters I've had with them since then. Uh, we've met, I've visited him a few more times and... Uh, one time with my brother Juan and another time again alone myself. And it's been great. Ever since then, we've been talking weekly and we've been praying together. And, you know, he's up for parole and I'm praying. You know, believe it or not, we were enemies many years ago, but now we're becoming best friends. And that renewed love happened with a spark from the teen ministry. When the brothers and sisters told me one day God will make it obvious as to why this all happened. And since then, my brothers, my sisters, um, I even had a niece uh, in 2019 get baptized. And I, my mom was able to get restored on uh, May of 2014 on Mother's Day. And that was a renewed love that I experienced. And I know that if that's the experience I have, many of us can have similar experiences with our families, with our friends, maybe with other loved ones that are distance from us and so if you feel today the call hey i need to be renewed in my love with someone i pray that you hear this message and that you're encouraged to follow these scriptures and to be like jesus and be like peter and renew your love and so if we go now to john chapter 21 the bible reads remember that when peter denied christ the rooster crowed and the rooster crowed early in the morning, right? And Jesus now had resurrected. He had been crucified. He had been resurrected. And now he gets his chance to.
to go meet with all the disciples. And now he goes to the encounter of a lifetime with Peter. John, the author, focuses on this as in a priceless relationship that everyone should know about. This is the one that he wanted to highlight at the very end. And now we're going to take you to that encounter. And at what time do you believe Jesus showed up to meet with Peter? Well, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. And the time he chose, and I give credit to our brother Dan Rodidi who gave me this insight that he perfectly chose the time that it was going to be early in the morning. And right here in John chapter 21, verse 4, we'll pick it up. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Remember our vows, right? Jesus is Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards, a whole football field, right? When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples. After he was raised from the dead. Wow. So here's Peter. It's in the morning time. Jesus is waiting for him in the shore. He yells at them. Hey, bring the fish. Let me help you out. Another miraculous interaction. Just like what happened when he first called them. Right. It's a full circle picture here. He had Peter had to renew his love, of course, for Jesus. And Peter hears from John. It's Jesus. And immediately he jumps into the water. Remember, Peter was the one that was afraid that at one point Jesus was walking on water and Peter was trying to walk towards him. And he was afraid, the, the disciples were afraid that he was a ghost, but Peter was had the boldness to say, if it's you, Jesus, then tell me to walk on the water. And he walked out on the water, but he saw the wind and remember he started to sink. And he was afraid. He thought he was going to drown. But Jesus rescued him. In this scenario, Peter jumps into the water. And he can't wait. He's swimming hard. A hundred yards. That is no easy task. He was a very strong swimmer. And given so because he's a fisherman. He was very strong with swimming skills, I would imagine. And so he's swimming as hard as he can. He doesn't even wait for everyone. Because he can't wait to talk to Jesus. To reconcile. My deepest conviction is that this was the first time Peter saw Jesus physically after he was crucified. And he had for many days went back to his old profession of fishing. And that's what we do sometimes when we mess up, when we fall into sin, when we decide to sin, we go back to our old ways. And Peter here went back to fishing what was comfortable to him. And I don't blame him. I mean, he wanted to get away from far as land as possible. He didn't want to hear those roosters crowing anymore. Many of us, that's why we avoid meeting with the body. We avoid meeting 
in church or in Zoom meetings or in different, because we don't want to be reminded of our sin. We don't want to be reminded of how we felt Jesus. But Jesus is standing at the shore and we have the opportunity to swim back to shore to him and to renew our love and our covenant with him. And that's what Peter did. And so he goes back and Jesus already has some breakfast for them. He already has some bread ready, some warm bread, and he has some fish. And he tells them, bring some more fish so we could cook that up too. And he is so amazing about Jesus. He gives them credit. He tells them, hey, bring some of the fish you've caught. But who really did it? Who really was the one that masterminded that miracle? It was Jesus. That's what Jesus does for our lives all the time. He's working behind the scenes. He's working beforehand, laying out the path, clearing things out. And when we arrive, we feel good about ourselves. Wow, I've accomplished it. I've I've succeeded. But then what Jesus said is, hey, it's okay. It's for you anyways. I'm here to just be your Lord and your Savior. I want to love you. And that's amazing about Jesus that he gives credit to them. Hey, bring the fish that you've caught. And so they're having breakfast there. And then they have this moment where now they're going to have the dialogue, the big confrontation. Jesus Pulls Peter to the side, but not so much so so to the side that the others can't hear the conversation. And they pick it up. They hear it. And look at how that conversation goes. In verse 15, the Bible reads, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He answered, Again, verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Right here, Jesus is asking him, renew your covenant with me. Renew your love. And Peter was like, yes, I love you. But when what Jesus was asking him was agape love, as many of us know. He was asking agape love, that unconditional, sacrificial, true and pure love. You know, Jesus kept Peter accountable to his promise, his vow that I'm never going to forsake you. And so my first point is that love requires action. But my second point, too, is that love requires accountability. And I know we hear that word accountability and we're like, all right, I don't want to hear any more, Pablo. I'm going to shut this uh, video down and I'm going to, you know, tune into something else. But if you could bear with me for a moment, because I believe we all have that heart for parents. Think about it. If your kid acts a certain way, do you just put up with it? Of course not. We have to address it. Okay, we have to uh, discipline. We have to correct that type of behavior so we just don't accept any kind of behavior in our homes. And think about it for the those who are couples, those who are married. Would you just be okay if your partner, your spouse, just ended up doing whatever they wanted to do? I know I couldn't do that. My wife would kill me. And so imagine that. We think we're unconditionally loving beings. But at the same time, there's expectations. There's requirements. There's accountability. And so I know I can't just do whatever I want in my marriage. I love my wife and I want to please her and encourage her and love her and cherish her. So I have to stay in my marriage with her connected through thick and thin. 
But many of us, we have these expectations of others. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we want to blur the lines. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I'm not going to just sweep this under the rug, Peter. Me and you are going to talk. And we're going to address it. And Jesus dealt with it in such a classy, gracious, and loving way. And he starts asking him a question. Do you love me? And Peter answers from the bottom of his heart, I do love you. But when Jesus asks him, do you agape me, you love me? If you look in the Greek, Peter responds with, I phileo, that love. And what that means, that phileo, right, sounds like Philadelphia. It means like brotherly love or warm affection or mutual affection. And Jesus was not expect, not requiring that. That's not what he was expecting. He wanted the agape love. And so they go back and forth. And what, what interestingly enough, Jesus does, he tells them, if you do love me, if you phileo me, if you want to love me, then take care of my sheep. Take care of your fellow brothers. Love them as you would love me. And interestingly enough, as he, Peter is speaking from his heart, what he believes he can give, this is what I can give. Jesus works with that. And you know what's interesting about us is that Jesus can work with your love. He always wants to get it to that agape love. But he's willing to take you where you're at right now and enhance you and work with you so that you can get to that status, that stage of love that's truly agape, unconditional and sacrificial love. And so Peter renews his covenant with Jesus. Jesus says, if you're going to love me, take care of my sheep. At the very end, the third time that he speaks with them, Peter's hurt. He asks him a question the third time. He's hurt and he feels like, why is Jesus doing this? Is it Could it be sarcasm that I denied him three times? Could be. Could it be that he wants to shame me in front of others? I doubt it. But I think that Jesus wanted to make a point that, hey, I know you want to love me in mutual affection and brotherly love, but we got to take it higher. And at the very end, Jesus did ask him, do you love me in a, in a brotherly love? And I'm sure that that's probably what pierced uh, Peter's heart because as he was hearing it, he probably thought, wow, I'm thinking about brotherly love, but here's Jesus thinking about agape love. And he tells him, you're, you're, you're going to glorify me by the death that you suffer. And Peter has to, you know, re, uh, he reconnects his vow. So here's Jesus telling them, hey, you're going to renew your vow to me. But it's also going to require you to give up your life. And in verse uh, 18, the Bible reads, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said to indicate the kind of death by, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And Jesus has that love that keeps us accountable. But it's a gracious love. It's not a God that he's like our boss, like you do this and I don't want you anymore. He's not like that. He's all about a relationship. The lifespan of our lives. We have to understand that we have to love Jesus and renew our vows. And so I hope that today you've learned that Jesus can take us even in our darkest times. 
and that He could renew our love and give us a whole new dawn of our lives and be able to live an incredible life for Him of love. Because love requires action, but love also requires accountability. And that's not a bad thing because we can check each other. We can help each other to love like Jesus did. And now I remember thinking about Peter, how he must have heard those roosters crowing. He must have heard shame, shame, shame every time he heard a rooster. Every morning, waking up, thinking of just how awful he had felt Jesus. But then Jesus rewriting history in a sense, meeting with him in the early morning, performing a miracle and being able to reconcile with him. And now every morning, Peter, instead of thinking of his worst failure, he probably thought of his fondest moment with Jesus Christ, how they were able to reconcile, reconnect, and renew their love. As we take the communion right now, help us to meditate, right? I want us to meditate on Jesus Christ, on how He wants to renew our love, that He's waiting for us in the shore, and that He wants to turn those negative thoughts into loving, positive thoughts. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we're so encouraged that uh, you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. I am so grateful that you gave up your best and require us to give our best as well. That you just didn't say, here's a gift and you don't have to thank me for it or show any gratitude or do nothing. But that you expect us, Father, to show our love with action and that we could keep each other accountable in a gracious and loving way. And I so appreciate that we're able to renew our love every day for you. And so I pray for us right now to remove all distractions, all negative thoughts, and just focus in exactly on Jesus, the, the true Savior and perfecter of our faith. And I pray that, Father, we can focus on Him right now and rededicate ourselves to you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and look forward to being with you next week. You can find more information about our church on our website, occhurchofchrist.com, or on the OC Church of Christ app located in the App Store. You can also watch live services on our Facebook and YouTube pages, which are located on our app and website. Thank you for listening, and may God bless your day.